Welcome back to the Someone to Tell To podcast. As always, just so good to have you with us. We really hope that you feel a part of this uh, because we've mentioned previously that you are just as much a part of this compassionate listening movement as we are. So we hope you feel that way. You hope, hope you know that and believe it. Today's episode was just a lot of fun. It was it was a, a meaningful conversation because we reconnected with some some friends that we made four years ago out at Ken Blanchard's home in, in San Diego. We were invited out to Ken and Margie Blanchard's home. You've probably heard on a couple of other, our previous episodes that we were invited to this dinner party at Vicki Halsey, who was also a previous guest on the Someone to Tell To podcast. And we just, uh, we just really enjoyed being around that table that night and then to be able to have these follow-up conversations to learn more about each and every member around the table and their stories and how they ended up in these really high-profile leadership positions. I know for me, I actually, I, I just said to the camera guys here, I felt anxious that entire episode just because just to be in their presence, uh, there's a level of vulnerability there. I remember that uh, that dinner party when we found out uh, where we were going and who was going to be there. <laughs> and we thought, and we're part <laughs> who, of this? Who are, we? who are these people? Big <laughs> CEOs, best-selling authors. Uh, the one, one uh, Keith Ferrazzi, who was there, had, had just been on CNBC just a few That's days right. before, was driven to the event uh, in a limousine by a driver. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, um, we've never experienced that. But they were all, all of them, just so down-to-earth and so friendly and so welcoming and um, and I know I was actually sitting next to the Ridges, to Gary yeah. and M- Maria, and they uh, were peppering me with <laughs> questions, uh, which were great questions, and, and helping me to, on the spot, on the spur of the moment, articulate what it is we do and why we do it. And um, it, it was, it's like we, we kept proverbially pinching ourselves, like, can we believe we're here right now with these people, these high-powered just very wonderful people. And well, we were, and it was great. Yeah, it really was. And so much fun to, to reconnect and to see them again today. Yeah. So we just like to tell you a little bit about Gary and Maria. So Gary Ridge is the president and chief executive officer of the WD 40 company headquartered in San Diego, California. Gary has been with WD-40 since 1987 in various management positions, including executive vice president and chief operating officer and vice president of international. He has worked directly with WD-40 in 50 countries. Gary is a native of Australia and has served as national VP of the Australian Marketing Institute and the Australian Automotive Aftermarket Association. He was also named one of the top 10 most admired CEOs in the world by Inc. magazine. Gary received his diploma from the Sydney Technical College in Sydney, Australia, and his master's degree in executive leadership from the University of San Diego, California. Maria Ridge is a philanthropist and a social activist. And she is interested in human connections and relationships to better understand human behaviors and to build meaningful bridges of kindness. She also loves pursuing projects that will enhance the well-being of human beings and the environment. And Maria is the former vice president of corporate and investor relations and and the corporate secretary at WD-40 with a demonstrated history of working in the consumer goods industry. She is skilled in marketing, marketing management, investor relations, business planning, consumer products. She's a strong uh, media and communication professional with a Bachelor of Arts focused in communication, 
journalism, and related programs from the University of Massachusetts, Boston. And she also has a master's in executive leadership, like her husband, from the University of San Diego. So it is our, is our privilege today to, to welcome all of you who are listening and watching uh, to, to this conversation with Gary and Maria Ridge. They're delightful, and we know you will enjoy the conversation. So Gary and Maria, welcome. We extend you a warm welcome to the Someone to Tell It To podcast today. We are so excited to have this conversation with you. G'day, it's just great. We're, we're pleased to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much. You are very, very welcome. So uh, we, we want to, uh, just for our listeners to know and for you to remember, for all of us to remember how we first met. It was four years ago, uh, this past November. We um, were the guests of your friend, uh, friends, Ken and Margie Blanchard at their home in San Diego, California. And the, the second night we were there, uh, there was a dinner party that, that Ken and Margie had been invited to that you were part of as well. And, and uh, Ken said, you guys are coming along too, us, the <laughs> two of us, you're coming too. And uh, we didn't know who we were going to meet. He just said it was at the home of one of his, his co-workers. And, and that co-worker happened to be uh, Vicki Halsey and her husband, Rick. And Vicki actually <laughs> was uh, the last guest on our podcast uh, right before the ho- we took a holiday break. So it, it's kind of, it's great to have you, you both with us today. Um, and in addition, uh, t- there was the author um, and entrepreneur, uh, Keith Ferrazzi, also at the event, at the dinner. And it was such a delightful, delightful evening uh, getting to know all of you. And we appreciated it very much. And, and so grateful to reconnect again uh, today and, and to be able to share your story with um, our listeners and, and viewers. Yeah, thanks. One of the things that has come out to us very strongly, it came out then and continues as we, as we see Facebook posts and, and LinkedIn, LinkedIn posts, and as we read uh, you know, Gary's newest book, is the fact that both of you are committed to serving others serving others by creating cultures that that are are warm and that are good that are empathetic and caring by doing things and being part of things leading things to make people's lives better we want to know what has brought you to this place what is it or what what influences did you did you have experiences did you have to lead you to a place of service in your lives and in your careers well, thank you. You know, this is a special time because it's the first time my darling wife and I have ever done a podcast together. And in true gentlemanly form, I'm going to let her go first. All right. Okay. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> the pressure. Um, I think what happens to me is I'm in my happiest state when I am around people and we're sharing and doing things that are good things. Um My upbringing has much to do with that because I had a a difficult upbringing. And over time and over the years, I've realized that that is where I am most fulfilled. And so that has created this want and this need to uh, be around some of of the hardship in the world and try to listen to it uh, carefully. Um, And in that process, some solutions come up and 
some relationships come up and people come together and, and they work together. Um, and I find this is, this is a place and a journey that I'd love to be in. For me, you know, many years ago, I was given the privilege to lead the tribe at WD40 company. And, uh, I just moved from Australia in 1994. It was 1997. And, um, it was pretty daunting. And I was reading some of the work of the Dalai Lama on an airplane flight, actually. And I read this, our purpose in life is to make people happy. If we can't make them happy, at least don't hurt them. And what was clear to me is particularly in business, there was a lot of leadership behavior that was hurting people. And that was then really amplified for me when I met my mentor and my our dear friend, Ken Blanchard. And I really adopted his thoughts around servant leadership because it just felt right. Um, and, you know, I'm not good at it yet. I'm still practicing. But uh, certainly I believe that um, we, as people, we should try and not hurt anybody. We should try and make them happy. Um, and that comes down to leadership, which is, you know, not only being someone who, who has a, a tender heart but also a backbone of steel because as leaders we have to make tough decisions sometimes. But if we do it with care, uh, that's important. Maybe for our listeners you could just describe how, how you and Ken did get connected, you and Ken and Margie. Back in 1999 I was looking around uh, to find a, a, a way of really learning more about being a good leader. So I found a, a course at the University of San Diego the Master of Science degree in Executive Leadership. And the course has just been formed by Ken and, and USD. So I was in the first cohort and I applied for it and I got it and Ken was my professor and so was Margie. And in fact, Maria has the same degree. She took that same degree course a number of years later. We saw that in her bio. That's where I met Ken and we've become dear friends. I was on the board of his company for 10 years and, uh, and in fact, I was with him on Monday and Maria was with Margie. Sorry, I was with him yesterday and Maria was with Margie on Monday. We, we kind of see him nearly every week now and Ken's 82. And I saw him yesterday and, and what I love about Ken, he, he drove up and, and I, I said, how are you, Ken? And he said, nothing to complain about. <laughs> nothing to complain about. Well, as you probably saw in our, one of our email blasts, we have a new book that just came out just a couple of weeks ago, listening two by two, a paradigm shift for leaders. That's when the magic happens. And we were just so fortunate to have Ken write the forward to the book. That was just such a big opportunity for, for us and someone to tell it to. And so we're just so grateful for him and, and all of the connections that he's helped us have, uh, including the two of you. So we're grateful for that. Gary, we'd just love to talk a little bit more about the culture you've created at WD40. Uh, and you wrote in your book that Purpose-driven, passionate people guided by values create amazing outcomes. And so what does it mean to you to be purpose-driven, to be passionate, and to be guided by values? And what values can create these amazing outcomes? You can't make anybody do anything and sustain it if they're not passionate about it. You can you know, pay them money to do things for a certain period of time. But you know, if there's not a real purpose and a real passion in what they want to do, people sit and quit. You know, look at what's going on in the world right now. They, they call it the great resignation. I'm calling it the, the great escape. People are escaping toxic cultures. 
because they just stop putting up with the sort of environments that, that they go to work in every day. So, you know, creating something of passion you're passionate about is important. At, at WD40 Company, you know, we're in the memories business. We're passionate about creating positive, lasting memories for the people who use our products and the people who go to work every day. And the values are there to protect people and set them free. I think about values basically as like the banks of a river. You know, a river runs from the mountains to the sea. And it's the banks of the river that allow the water to flow to the sea. Now, along that river, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen. There's some rough water, some you know, places where you can stop and rest. But if that, those banks of that river weren't there, that water would become a big cesspool of, you know, of, of, of stale water. So it's, it's the boundaries that you have that help you make decisions, stop churn in an organization that's really important. So is that something that was always there at WD-40 even before you, if we read correctly, you started working there when you're in your 20s. Is that right? Oh, gee, it was 35 years ago and I'm, my, oh, it must have been 30 when I started okay. there. But has that culture always been there? You know, the culture that was there before I was given the privilege to leave was a great culture. It was a culture for the day. You know, com the company back then was about a fifth of the size in revenue, a tenth of the size in market cap. Most of the people worked in, in the United States. You could actually call a, an all-teams meeting and fit everybody in a small area in our building in, in San Diego. So the, the culture was there, but it... It was not, I don't think it was ever emphasized the way we do it now. And they had values, no doubt about it. But I bet the, the values were more internal than external. Um, and the values that we have today, in fact, Ken Blanchard uh, led the workshop, the initial workshop to help us put them together. Um, you know, our number one value is we value doing the right thing. The number two value is we value creating positive, lasting memories in all of our relationships, and they're hierarchical. So um, I think what we've done is empowered people, you know, as we go forward uh, by giving them these values to help them make the decision every day. I often say I hope anybody in the company can make any decision they need to make without what Ken would say, quacking up the hierarchy if they use our values as their guide to do that. Yeah. We just love that hierarchy structure that you've created. That's something that we are trying to implement for sure. After having read your book. Yeah. There are a lot of things we could learn. We have learned and we'll, we'll implement and we appreciate that so much. Maria, I want to ask you this, this question. You've written some things about women and women as game changers in the world, and we believe that you're a game changer. So we, could you tell us uh, what women have inspired you? What women have been game changers for you in your life, whether very personally or, or, or who have been influenced, who have influenced you uh, to do the work that you do, especially the philanthropic work? And we, we just love to hear what, where your inspiration came from. What, what women were game changers for you? The people who surround me at any given time have amazing qualities um, that inspire me all day long. And everywhere I go, there is someone, a female, that inspires me. And part of that is because you try to look at people um, and you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. But when you see the good, 
there's always stuff there that just just wows you. That's one piece. If you refer to perhaps someone who's famous out there, I would think of Michelle Obama. I would think of Oprah Winfrey. I Those two ladies come to mind because from where they seem to come from is deep in their soul. It's a caring and a kindness where that unconditional love starts, you know? And they have been consistent throughout their lifetime in trying to bring that out and shine a light upon issues or people or events that tend to trigger that inspiration in someone like me and say, wow, they're coming from a good place in their heart. They keep trying. And then they step back after they've told the story or after they, sh- they, they shine that light and let us decide how we want to continue that work, if we want to continue that work. And I think that's, that's very inspirational. Maria, we'd just like to learn a little bit more about your upbringing. You had mentioned just that it was a difficult upbringing for you. Could you just tell us a little bit more about some of the key moments that kind of helped define who you are today? I think when you have a little bit of dysfunctionality in your family, um, that things are not exactly how you, you dream them to be as a child, and then you start taking on responsibility. That's what I started to do for my brothers and sisters, take on responsibility for them, um, you mature a lot quicker in life and you start looking at life and saying, what is it that I want uh, for my life? Um, I don't want these things that create dysfunctional behavior. I don't want these things that that don't bring knowledge to, to you and don't bring wisdom. So I'm going to search. I'm going to search for the people. I'm going to search for the mentors. I'm going to search for those doors that open. And when I, when I talk about doors that open, I talk about the people who you sit and talk with and just continue to inspire you to, to, to do the best you can do within your life. And not only on a professional level, but on a human connection level. And that's really the journey for me. It's, it's learning how to, to interact with people, how to listen better. I fall on my face every day, every <laughs> single day. And, um, but it's through these experiences. And, you know, hardship has been, I now recognize that hardship has been the greatest blessing in my life because it's given me the feel in my soul to go out and listen and understand and and create that feeling in your heart that say, you know what? I'm here for a purpose and these people are suffering. It's not about me. But that you need to kind of soften up through life. And I think hardship gives us the opportunity to do that. So you mentioned listening. Let's talk a little bit about listening. When we were around the table at Ken Blanchard's home, we told you a little bit about some of the Telti's work and, and that we we work to kind of combat this epidemic of loneliness and disconnection that we're seeing around the world. And then it's just been exacerbated through the pandemic. Uh, but we just love to learn a little bit more about how you see listening just affecting culture and creating culture, creating better cultures. And so what does it mean to listen to others in meaningful ways? And, and what about the power do you see in listening intently and, and to find purpose, to help others find purpose in, the, in their lives through listening? First of all, I must say that listening is intently is a very difficult thing for a human being. It's just very difficult. Why? Because we're in our heads all the time and we're waiting to respond to whatever a person says with our own interpretation of life, with our own things, you know, and one of the things that I'm learning 
is to step back and say, okay, let's really listen to this. It makes it easier for me when I'm hearing someone with their problems because it is complete silence on my part because the story is so captivating. And that's, that's been helpful for me. But listening has been one of the more difficult things. And how does it help? You know, when you're, ha- when you're having a conversation with people, and I talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of people. We all have it. We all have good. We all have bad. We all have ugly. And when we listen to what they're going through, we kind of connect with some of the elements of their life and we start having that compassion. We start having that empathy. We start thinking they're not as different as we are. And I think that's really important. When we start recognizing the similarities amongst ourselves, we start getting closer and we start opening those, 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 those communication channels. You know, I, I love the quote of um, Brian McCool. He says, one of the most sincere forms of respect is actually listening to what others have to say. And uh, I have to get better at that. Um, I really like to listen with the intent of being influenced. Um, you know, I, I have had strong points of view in my time and I've found that the more I listen and try and understand what someone is saying, the better I am. And, you know, we're, we're just these basic human beings bumbling our way down a path of life. And unfortunately, as we bumble our way down this path of life, there's thieves in the bushes. And these thieves come in and they pull us off the path of life and they put us in a place we don't want to be. And it's either because of ego or guilt or you know, fear or whatever. And I think we have to remind ourselves to, to come back on that path again uh, and I've been guilty of letting the thieves pull me in and then getting into confrontations that I don't want to get into. So I hope today I, I try and um, not react and I try and absorb and I really try to think, what is that person trying to say to me? And how does it compare with their, the way they're behaving or what they've said to me in the past? Um, Marshall Goldsmith um, has a wonderful, a wonderful um, process. And, and in fact, I have a little sticker on my, my computer. In fact, I have a lot of stickers. <laughs> Maria goes cranky at me like because, I all these <laughs> because I, I, you know, I forget. But one that I have in front of me probably eight hours a day says, am I being the person I want to be right now? And why I have that there is these thieves pull me off. And then, I, then I, I have a list of what is that person. And it says I want to be caring, empathetic. I want to be reasonable. I want to be a listener. I want to be fact-based. I want to be balanced. I want to be a curious learner. And I want to throw sunshine, not a shadow. And I'm glad that's there because it keeps reminding me of who I really want to be. And more and more as I'm getting older, I'm trying not to get pulled out of that. Because when I'm that person, I really feel good. And when I'm not that person, I don't feel good. And I don't like it, so I have to remind myself of it. So I think listening to myself is as important as listening to someone else. We'll be right back after the break. 
We use Buzzsprout to create this podcast, and as a small nonprofit team, we really appreciate how easy they make it to get our guests' stories out into the world. With Buzzsprout, you get a beautiful podcast website, audio players to embed into other sites, detailed analytics, tools to promote your episodes, and so much more. Use the link in the show notes to get a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up for a paid plan and to support our show. As the co-founders of Someone to Tell To, we often find ourselves traveling around between meetings and listening sessions, and we often don't really have time for the little things like grocery shopping. I'm sure many of you have had that experience when at the end of a long workday, you'd rather do anything else than shop for groceries. That's why we're happy to give our listeners the chance to get free delivery on your first Instacart order over $35. You'll get the products you love from your local stores in as fast as one hour. There's nothing quite like sitting down at the end of the day to be present for your family over a home-cooked meal, and takeout just doesn't feel the same. So if you find yourself needing groceries and considering getting takeout instead, get hand-selected products delivered straight to your door. Get free shipping on orders over $35 by using the link in the show notes. Maria, you've written about unconditional love, about how, how great a gift that is, such a powerful, powerful gift. And this question really could be for both of you if, you if you want to address it. But what does an unconditional love mean to you? Now, we think that listening can help lead us to loving others and ourselves more unconditionally as well. Uh, so we'd like to hear what you have to say about that. How do you define it? And, and what does that mean? What does it mean to you? One of the things that dawned on me a few years ago is one of the easiest ways to have unconditional love is when you become a mother. And it gives you a, 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 a real example of what it feels to have unconditional love. Because with a mother, um, you have your children and absolutely you love them very much. And, and it is what you give them is the most unconditional love, the, the, the love where you say it, it doesn't matter what you do or who you are. I'm always there to support you, to love you, to uh, give you advice, to uh, laugh with you, to do whatever. And, I, and when I was looking at that early in my life and I was saying to myself, it comes so naturally to give unconditional love to your children. How about if I take what I feel there and transfer that to people around me or elements of it? And the moment that I started do, doing this in the professional world, in my friendship circles, meeting strangers, that's when I started to listen more carefully. That's when I started to feel Oh my God, I love this person. And here's the clinch, the clincher for me. When you have someone, and most people, they love to get along with people who are similar to them, who are wonderful, who are supportive. But then those people who are not so much that way, they tend to be isolated from the groups. They tend to be outliers. They get to be put in a place. And people tend to do this. What 
I've been trying to exercise over the last few years is to bring those people into my life even more. And when the moment comes and they tell me something that I disagree with, I'm training myself to put that aside and exercise unconditional love. And I do that through finding something really fantastic about them that I really love. And that's where I anchor myself at that moment. And then I, and then tolerance obviously has to come into play. But I think for that, for the people who are not as the same as one, that is where you have the opportunity to really express unconditional love. And what then tends to happen is the other person turns around and they're just so, they feel so good that someone is embracing them in that way that there's their hearts and their souls soften up. And now you get an even better human connection that way. That's been my experience. You know, I, I was talking to, to Ken Blanchard um, a few weeks ago and he was sharing with me a story that Margie tells often that really, really did ring home with me a lot. And it was, they were married for eight years before Margie really realized how to love Ken. He told me that. And it was, <laughs> and Margie said that I really realized I can't change him. So I need to love the person he is, not, not try to make him the person I want him to be. And I think that's important. I mean, we all get on each other's nerves from time to time. We all do things in unintentionally that, you know, get in the way of a good relationship. But if you just sort of say, you know what, I can't, I can't change that person. So I either have to choose to love them for who they are or I'll, if I continually try to change them, then I really probably don't love them. And that's not true. So I think that was one of the big lessons and one of the big, you know, sharings that Ken shared with me just a, a few weeks ago when we were having a conversation about, um, about people and how to, how to really create an environment that's um, accepting. It's good that you bring that up because it actually reminds me when we went and visited Ken at his home, we spent an afternoon with him out on the veranda. And I remember he told us a story that he performed a wedding ceremony at one point. And he, he used this illustration when he was kind of giving a meditation to this couple that um, he had read, read about somewhere. I think it's like, a, I forget which culture it is, but it's a tradition where they would often say during the meditation, I hope that this is the day that you love each other the least meaning that from this moment forward, I hope that you keep working at loving each other more and more each and every day. And uh, I just think that's such a good perspective to have. Yeah, so often we let the little things, you know, take away from our love and relationship instead of looking at the things that are building it and, and making it richer and, and, and stronger. I think also that when we talk about these topics, you know, from a community standpoint and trying to, you know, one of the most difficult things is to try to get people together to work on a project that moves to help the community or help the world at large. But when you start practicing these things of listening and interacting, that's when the connections start just moving a lot faster. And now you can move towards working towards projects like that that really make the world a better place. Um, 
And I'm just finding that with all of the projects that I've had, the ones in Puerto Rico, the ones here, it the moment you start doing that, it's like it opens up for you in terms of people being inspired and wanting to be part of the movement. Gary, how do you take some of these principles and, and apply them to your work environment? Because kind of terms like unconditional love is something that always gets brought up a whole lot in, in various work cultures. Well, I think, you know, number one is if you think of Maslow's hierarchy to self-actualization, the first two rungs are am I safe and can I eat? And the third one is actually love or belonging. And, you know, we created the tribal concept at WD-40 a long time ago, maybe 20-plus years ago, because it belonging is one of the biggest desires we have as human beings. You know, everybody who's listening to us today has left a party, an organisation, or a relationship because they didn't feel like they belong. And what are the pillars of belonging? Well, do you care about the people that are in your care? You know, Bob Chapman, who uh, runs a great company, Barry Weinmiller, says, everybody who comes to work each day is someone's precious child. I would say everyone who comes to work each day is someone's precious child, husband, wife, brother, sister, whatever. So we have a duty of care. And that's where empathy comes in. Unfortunately, a lot of leaders have their ego eat their empathy instead of their empathy eat their, eating their ego. And that's ego is, ego is good at a, at a small dose because it's motivating. But at large doses, it creates toxic cultures. The next one is, are you candid with your people? You know, um, no lying, no faking, no hiding. I, I honestly believe most people don't lie. What I believe they do is they fake and hide. And why do they fake and hide? It's because of, again, ego, fear, you know, all that sort of, it's, it's a faking and hiding thing, not a, not a, if someone's put, if you put someone in a situation where they're going to get it, you're, they're going to attack you, 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 you may fake and hide because you don't want the attack emotionally. You may want to say, I don't want to go there. So in, in business, you don't, you don't want to put people in that place. And then you've got to hold people accountable and you've got to expect them to be responsible. Now, getting back to the care thing, in a business, you have, leaders have to love their people enough to ensure that they're rewarding and applauding them for doing great things but be brave enough to redirect behaviours as well because that comes into care as, as well. So it's that, and then you have to be authentic about it, and it's not just writing it, it's acting it um, that's really important. Thank you for listening to the Someone to Tell It To podcast. Wonders Found Thrift Shop is proud to be one of its sponsors. Wonders Found is an all-volunteer-run thrift shop begun to support our mission team as they rebuild homes in disaster areas. We support local missions, people experiencing homelessness, veterans, and children and youth outreaches. We also provide clothing and household items to families displaced by fire or flood. You can learn more at our website, wondersfound.org, or stop in to see what wonders you can find at 7810 Allentown Boulevard, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. 
I think one of the things that we just appreciate so much about both of you, and it just shines through, especially Gary in your book, is just both of your levels levels of humility. Uh, just uh, you're the types of people that we want to be around, um, because we we haven't always found that to be true in our in our world today. And um, you know, Gary, I think there was one phrase that really stood out to us in your book, and you said that the three most important words you've learned as as a CEO is "I don't know." And so, tell us more about that. Yeah, those were hard, learn, hard words to learn, you know, um, because when you're a young leader, um, you're wanting to prove things to people. And somehow we think that proving things to people is having all the answers. Well, actually, proving things to people is not having the answers. And um, I remember many, many years ago when I first got to the United States, I was in a meeting and there was someone giving a presentation and I'm sitting there and I had no clue what they were talking about. And about 15 minutes into the presentation, I put up my hand and this was probably in 1995. I put up my hand. I said, I'm sorry. I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> and everybody in the room went, <sighs> because nobody did, but no one was going to be brave enough. And I, I'm going to say brave. That's not the word. No one was, 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 was felt comfortable enough to actually to say that. Um, and that's why I say now, you know, I, I'm, I'm the consciously incompetent, probably wrong and roughly right. In most things, I am probably wrong and roughly right. <laughs> and if I, and, and that's getting comfortable with, the three words, you know, I don't know. Maria's nodding know. over <laughs> your shoulder right now. Oh. oh, she was probably nodding to the probably wrong bit. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's, it's a great point because when you, especially when you're working in teams, being able to say, I don't know, allows a lot of other people to participate and come in and offer ideas. You know, sometimes if, if you're more weighted in, in experience in the group, Everyone's looking to you to, to kind of, you know, say what needs to be done. But when you say, I don't know, it really opens it up for others to participate as well. It's just another point that I was thinking about when yeah. Gary was talking. About. And, you know, for those who are listening, who are, who are still not comfortable with saying, I don't know, here's an option. The other thing you could say is, I'd really like to learn more about that which is really saying, I don't know in a different way. That's a good way to put it, too, for those who might be afraid of, uh, of saying those words. How easy was it for each of you to come to a place where you could say, I don't know, and, and be comfortable with that? It wasn't easy. It, well, it didn't feel, you know, I wanted to prove myself. You know, I, you know, I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to have the answers. I felt people would respect me more if I had the answers until I learned that they, they respected vulnerability more than anything else. So, you know, I, now I, I don't mind being vulnerable. You know, I, I have a great face for radio. That's why (laughs) video doesn't work for me, but I don't mind saying that. And I don't mind being vulnerable. And I think, you know, if we all say it's hindsight, I wish I was, as I am now 20 years ago, you know, and and I think it comes down to this theory I have about learning, you know, education is when you read the fine print experience is when you don't, 
when you put both of those two together, you get learning. From learning, you get knowledge. And when you put knowledge to work, you actually get wisdom. And I think if I think about my journey, I had my degree of education and I had a lot of, I have a lot of scar tissues. I have, a, I've had millions of learning moments. When I put those together, I get learning. And from that, I, I gain knowledge. And, and from that, when you put the knowledge to work, people say, that's a wise person. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching the time in life when I will be re refiring sometime in the future from doing what I'm doing every day now to doing something else. And I, I feel like I'm at a really privileged position because I want to use all my scar tissue and all of my learning to help others understand how they can make someone's life better if they create great cultures in organizations. And that's why I do podcasts and write. And, and in fact, you know, I can't write to save myself. Thank goodness I've got a, a ghostwriter that helps me, but you know, I certainly can, can you know, share the points of view and the, and the theory behind it. But um, that's really, that's really what I'm looking forward to. Cause if you don't have a purpose in life, you die. And I need to continue to have a purpose. Otherwise I will die. And I'm not ready to die yet. Yeah. I think it was, uh, yeah. you've probably heard of Victor Frankl, uh, who yeah. he was a Holocaust survivor. And mm -hmm. he said that, uh, we all need to have a why and we can always figure out the how, but if we don't have the why we all are dying inside. And, uh, so somebody who's dying in a concentration camp for him to be able to say that we should probably pay attention and listen. Just a, a question that we'd just love to ask both of you just about your, your hopes and dreams for, for this next stage of your lives. Um, what are some things that you haven't done yet that you would still like to do and what changes in cultures and people's lives would you yet like to help make? For me, uh, I think to do a bit more of what I'm doing, which is connecting wherever I go in such a profound way um, with anyone I meet. It's one of the most amazing experiences to have um, that inner freedom to sit in a cab somewhere in Spain and have someone tell you a little bit about their life or uh, go on a tour with a tour guide in Austria. And, and while we're galloping with horses, he's telling you everything about his problems and, and reconnecting through different organizations, you know, through people who are connecting humanly and, and, and finding out about a project in Fiji that, that, that will help the environment and help employees and help everything tied together through that one conversation that you have for five hours at a Starbucks, you know, in San Diego. Those are the kinds of things that excite me um, because it opens up so many doors and so many opportunities to meet beautiful people to be profoundly moved and, and feel that inner reward and to have the opportunities to join a project that could possibly help someone. So more of that. You know, um, the teacher arrives when the student is ready, right? Uh, I've heard that before. And yesterday, early in the morning, I was doing a podcast with a guy by the name of Brandon McGuire out of, out of Ireland. He was in a, 
He was 40 miles from, from uh, Belfast. Great Irish accent. And him being Irish and me being an Aussie, we got on pretty well together. <laughs> and uh, it was a great podcast. We had a beautiful conversation. And at the end of it, he, made, he, he shared a quote with me and it kind of hit me. And I emailed him. I said, would you send it to me? And I read it last night. And I was awake from one o'clock this morning until about four and I couldn't get this out of my head. And in fact, every morning I sent out a message to all our tribe members at WD40 and a lot of other people who want to be on my mailing list called For Today From. And it's an inspiration or quote or some sharing that I had. And, and I, if I may, I'd like to share this quote oh, please with you. Please do. We'd love to hear I it. Think it I think it answers your question or it answers my question on life. And it's from uh, Ram Das, And it says, together, we're all on a journey called life. We are a little, we're all a little broken and a little shattered inside. Each one of us is aspiring to make it to the end. None is deprived of pain here. And we have all suffered in our own ways. I think our journey is all about healing ourselves and healing others in our own special ways. Let's just help each other to put all those pieces back together and make it to the end and, and, and to make the end more beautiful. Let us help each other survive. And I think that's, I'd like, I would love to, to adopt that promise because I, 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 I think that's a very, and particularly in today's, what we've been through with COVID, you know, let us help each other survive with a little bit more gratitude, a little bit more compassion, a little bit more empathy, a little less argument, a little less confrontation, and a lot of listening. That sums it all up beautifully. Mic drop. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking the word mic, the phrase mic drop as well. Uh, for both of you, what you both said there, answer that question, uh, tremendous. So thank you. I think one of the things that we just really respect and appreciate about both of you and, and really everyone who was around the table at Vicki Halsey's home that night is just the level of vulnerability and openness and desire just to make the world a little bit better, better of a place when we're gone. Um, and, and I remember that night in the spirit of vulnerability if you remember underneath all of our dinner plays vicky had these these questions that that we were all asked and i remember my question was what's something and i'm paraphrasing but just something about um what what's the hardest thing that you're you're faced with right now and something that you've not talked about with anybody else and here i am around this table with highly successful people and and, uh, and just to be able to answer that question honestly, and I remember taking like a deep breath before I answered, but just that's what we're all yearning for is just that level of connection, that desire to, to know each other and to be known. Um, that's kind of how we define le- listening actually, is just to know each other and to be known um, more ourselves. And so just thank you for giving us the space to be able to do that that night. And then also with all of our listeners today, your level of openness is just, it's gonna be helpful. Your, your lives, your lives, your work, um, your understandings are an inspiration to us and, and we know to those who are listening and watching today, it'll be an inspiration as well. And we know that the people with whom you come in contact every day 
um, are inspired too by by all that you do and by who you are. And um, we appreciate the connection very much. And we're so glad that we could connect again today and have this conversation. And um, we know we know it will it will bring light to people's lives and and hope. And um, and we hope um, help them to have better connections and better relationships in their own lives, too, by some of the things that they've heard today. So thank you both very, very much. Thank you, because, you know, it, what I love about this session and about you is, is that you're taking this message out to more people and you don't get as many opportunities. And, and this is beautiful. So I, I'm very grateful um, for this opportunity. Thank you so much. Life's a gift. Don't send it back unwrapped. <laughs> there you great. go. Thank you. Thank you. It was great, wasn't it? How how both Maria and and Gary played off one another, and they they in some ways echoed uh, a lot of each other's statements and enhanced each other's statements by by what they had to say, by the experiences they have and the things that they've learned. The wisdom Gary mentioned, you know, the the wisdom comes with experience and knowledge, and uh, they both have some tremendous wisdom and knowledge, I believe. And, it's just helpful for me because I was, as you mentioned earlier in the introduction, I was at the other end of the table that night, so I didn't really get to know the two of them very well. I spoke with Gary a little bit before we began eating, but I didn't get to interact with Maria at all. And just to learn a little bit more about her story and her upbringing, um, all the hardships that she's had to face and how she's overcome so much and how she has used her pain and her brokenness to help redeem it and to find meaning in it and to find purpose and she's found her why, and that's just to connect with people and to build authentic, meaningful relationships. And, and Gary, the same at, at WD40 Company. So again, just to thank you for joining us. What a gift. We want to keep plugging our new book that's out right now, Listening 2 by 2 A Paradigm Shift for Leaders. That's when the magic happens. We hope that you can go to Amazon.com and, and purchase many copies for, for you and your teams and, and even for your individual lives because we hope that it helps you to become even more of a, an empathetic, a compassionate, and a better leader. You've heard his name mentioned throughout this uh, this conversation today. Uh, Ken Blanchard, who's a leadership expert and a, a best best selling author, and uh, we had the privilege of, of having Ken write the foreword to our book, and we are so proud of that and, and pleased with that. And you know, it came from that connection that we had with him, uh, spending time in, in him and, and his and Margie uh, Blanchard's home four years ago, and. Um, so we're very grateful for that. We hope that you'll you'll love the book and um, that you'll buy as many copies as possible. And then just the last announcement is we have a big event coming here to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania in April. John Gordon, who's a leadership expert and servant leadership expert, who will be coming and speaking on behalf of Someone to Tell It To. So if you'd like to learn more, just go to our website. You can purchase tickets, someonetotellitto.org. And so once again, we thank you for being with us today, for joining in this conversation with us and Maria and Gary, and um, until we listen again. <laughs>